I love you to pieces. Thank you so much. That was quite a build-up. Yeah, no pressure. There we go. Good morning. How's everybody doing? There's, um, I'm going to rearrange some stuff here. You know, I'm a woman in the house. I'm going to rearrange the furniture, right? I mean, that's, isn't that what we do? We're like, oh, I want to put this here. Can I get some flowers? No, I'm just teasing. I was going to say. Um, it's good to see you guys. Some of you I was with yesterday. Some of you I was with 20 years ago. Um, and then yesterday too, yeah. Um, so it's really good to be here. Hold on. Julie wrestles, uh, and somebody left their little, hmm, do I have to put, no, all right. Thank you, just a little bit. Ah, there we go, great, thank you. All right, I can conquer a music stand. Um, it is so good to be with you guys. I mean, I can't, words almost fail me. The privilege that it is to stand in this room, to be with this congregation, because I left a piece of my heart here. I was here for five years, from 95 to 2000, a long time ago. Most of you were not here then. And, um, but you know what? In the spirit, seed stays. And there is a spiritual dynamic in this place. And God is doing something. God has always been at work. God cares about his church and his people more than any of us do. And God, I am so excited to be here at this moment for what God is doing and is preparing to do in this house. It is... Um, it's amazing. I have such a feeling and a sense in my spirit of anticipation, and um, I believe God has a word for us today. I am so excited about this word, um, but before we get to that, I do have a couple things. I just want to uh, touch on kind of what I do, because I'll forget to tell you who I am, and most of you really don't know me. You don't know who I am. Um, it's funny to hear Justin talk about me being a, a mother of the house. When I was here, I was so young. I was five, clearly. No, I'm just teasing. Um, <laughs> But I was. I was super young. I was talking to a couple of the kids from my youth group that are now very, very grown. And I was just like, uh, I met somebody at the coffee shop and he was like, they were talking. Justin was like, hey, what, what year were you at the church? And we were talking and, and uh, he was like, oh yeah, well I remember. And there was, uh, Julie was there and, and Justin's like, this is her. And he's like, wait, the Julie? This is Julie? And like he was a kid in the ministry at the time. So it's been really fun. But what I told him is I said, you know... I hope I didn't mess up too bad. I mean, he, I sure didn't feel like a mother of the house at the time because I was young and I made a lot of mistakes here and I learned a lot and uh, everybody just loved me anyway. So God is good. Um, but what I do now, Ephesians 2.10, I just want to springboard off of that real quick. Um, you probably all know it. The verses that I'm going to bring out today are actually mostly familiar verses. And isn't that okay? Like, I've had steak before, but you know what? I like to have steak again. So I think it's okay if we go back to the familiar verses. Ephesians 2.10, you probably know it. It says, um, we are his workmanship created for good works in Christ, right? Things that he's beforehand prepared for us to do. And so I remember my very first sermon that I prepared when I was in Bible school was actually on that verse. And that verse has kind of been a theme verse of my ministry for all of these years. Because what I'm passionate about is helping people be what God intended them to be. Not necessarily, hear me when I say, not necessarily helping people be who they think they want to be or who their parents thought they ought to be or who I think they ought to be, but who God intended them to be. Because I believe with all my heart, you will never be happier 
than when you are walking out the plans that God has for you. And so what I'm doing now is, um, Justin mentioned this is kind of what I do for a living, but um, traveling and preaching, absolutely my passion. But also um, I do some church consulting, which I love, helping the church be better. And I'm also a life coach. And, and all of it weaves together helping people fulfill their mission. I have a podcast, the Modern Missionary Podcast. You Please subscribe. Um, but uh, I wanna, I'm saying that to say that I just want to put a little something out there for you today. I've created a little tool to help folks, to help Christians um, sort of locate. A lot of us have never stopped to dream and stopped to think, am I even doing the thing I meant to do? Anybody? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But most people, that's one of the top questions people have is, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Right? Isn't that like the original question? Like, God, why am I here? And so I've developed a simple little tool that I think is useful to help kind of get those um, juices going in that direction, kind of help us zero in. And um, if you, I'm going to make it super available to you. It's just a free something that I made that I want to give away. If you will text on mission to 44144, you'll get a link to get this tool as a download or a PDF. And then that will put you also on my excuse me, on my email list, uh, where it's, uh, these are things regarding to living on mission, to encouraging you to fulfill your purpose, to um, lean into divine destiny. Um, and so I just wanted to tell you about that. Just text that and you'll get a link. And then the other thing, if maybe those things don't appeal to you, but you're like, you know what, Julie, I just kind of want to follow your ministry and, you know, just hear from you every now and then and know what's going on, how I can pray. I would love that. If you will go to my website, juliebeater.com, and just scroll down to the bottom of the page, there's a little sign-up form right there. So that's all of that. Let's get to our message for today. Um, I want to go to another familiar verse, Philippians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 13 and 14. This is another one you could probably quote. And if you had asked me years ago what my life verse was, this is where I would have started. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. It says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Everybody say one thing. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. We're supposed to be, do what with what lies behind? That's right. And strain forward to what lies I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I love these verses um, because they remind us that whatever's in the past, and it doesn't say just forgetting the bad stuff, even if it was good. Whatever's in the past, it's in the past. And if we're going to go forward, it's hard. You know what? Have you noticed? Have you ever seen little kids in Walmart or whatever? And they run, and they'll run, and they'll look behind them. <laughs> and you're like, whoa, 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 you're about to run into me, or, you know, or worse. And it's real, it doesn't make a lot of sense to move forward and look behind you, does it? That's a good way to have a little accident. And so this scripture reminds us that if we're going to move forward, the best place for our eyes to be are forward. What's behind might have been great, might have not been great. We are thankful for all of it because it all serves to shape who we are and who we're becoming, but we got to look forward to move forward. Um, I love this, uh, this quote. Albert Einstein said, life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep going. And we probably all know that. you got to keep those feet moving. You know, if you go too slow, you're just going to tip right over. And so um, if we're going to move forward, we have to be looking forward. We have to be reaching forward. Today's title is Stay the Course or How to Not Get Lost in the Storm. And let's pray before we go any further. God, we're just so thankful 
for you. We're so thankful for who you are. God, that you are the head of the church, that none of us is responsible for all of this. We do our part, but ultimately you are the only one who can make it happen, and thus you are the only one who gets glory. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. God, I ask you to direct um, our time together. Father, that the words that would go forth would be the words that you intend to go forth. And we give you all glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So stay the course. How to not get lost in a storm. I just felt, I mean, dude, there have been some storms raging. Are there not? And currently, it's stormy outside, right? I mean, we've got COVID, we've got election year, we've got so many things, so many things. And I know a lot of us have felt like, Jesus is coming because this is like the tribulation or something. Maybe, maybe. But um, what I will say, I think it's good to remind ourselves that there have always been storms, Every generation has had their thing. And this feels like a really weird, really unprecedented time. I mean, we're wearing face masks. We're not going places. We're not, a lot of us are not working. It's a crazy time, no doubt. Um, but I think it's useful and helpful to remind ourselves there have always been crazy times. You know, the storms are raging all around us, but the thing is, this is nothing new. Um, in Song of Solomon, or no, not Song of Solomon, sorry, Ecclesiastes says there is nothing new under the sun, right? And so no matter how hard the times are that we're in, it is good to remind ourselves, you know what, there have always been hard times. And here's the thing, God's always been faithful. You come through it. There's something new that comes forward. I had a friend of mine recently post about, um, you know, because the economy has been about as, and for some more so, worrisome than COVID, Right? And um, rightfully so, there's been a lot going on. A friend of mine posted about um, the pandemic back in like 1918, that it was you know, so much worse and so, so many bad things happened. And he said, you know, it was in the 20s, it was the greatest economic boom ever. And he was pointing out that, you know, who knows, there might be a boom coming um, after this, so get ready for that. Um, but all of that to say that hard times and seasons of difficulty are nothing new, and they don't catch God off track. You know, um, I think about them like the waves. Have you been to the ocean? Hey, there's some kids in here. Can I get the kids to make some ocean sounds? Boys and girls, can you make some wave sounds? Can you make wave sounds? That's really good. That's really good. There's, I won't make you do it. I know. You're like, do not even, lady. Okay. So, <laughs> um, so there's, um, if you've ever been to, I love the ocean. Any ocean, beach, babes. Oh, man, I love the ocean. And so, but one time I was, I used to live near the ocean, and I was there, and I was just watching the waves coming, and I just felt the Holy Spirit just whisper to my heart. He said, see those waves? He said, that's how I am. That's how I move. That it's just always coming. It's always coming. And you know what? Even when I'm not at the beach and I'm not just enjoying them, guess what? They're still, right now, we're all in here, but those waves, they're coming. They never stop. And that is true of good things and bad things. The waves just keep coming. There's always difficulty, but you know what? God is always moving. And Part of our trick of navigating the storm is learning how to navigate those waves. You cannot stop those waves from coming, but you can learn to navigate them. Let's flip over to Mark chapter 4. And this is a really familiar story. 
See, I like not having it pre-marked in my Bible because I feel like that gives you time to find it too. Of course, you're probably looking at it on your phone and you beat me. Okay, Mark chapter 4. And we're going to look, you probably know where we're going, uh, in verse 35. And this is the story of Jesus and his friends. He's just finished preaching a whole bunch of messages, and they were preaching from a boat. And he's like, and he says, let's just pick it up. Verse 35, he says, on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I love this story. There is so much about this story. Um, first of all, let's point out that just because you are with Jesus doesn't mean you're never going to get caught in a storm. And I think that's helpful to remind ourselves because sometimes we take the storm as an indication that we're doing something wrong. And things are going bad, and we think, well, I must be making God angry. I must have missed God somewhere. I don't know that you can get closer to Jesus than these guys were. I mean, he was physically present, physically present. And a storm arose right where Jesus was. And it's not like, oh, it got a little, oh, it's a little rain cloud. Oh, I should have brought my umbrella. No, this is a storm severe enough that professional fishermen are terrified. It was a legit storm. There was legit danger. It wasn't like, oh, it's going to be okay because Jesus was there. No, there was legit danger there. And they were like waking him up like, seriously, Jesus, are you going to do something? Don't you care? We're going to die. And I think it's good to remind ourselves that there could be a storm and it could be real danger looming in our faces. It does not mean Jesus is not with us. It does not mean that. And so... Let's look. So then what we're going to do is we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about, well, what do we do when those storms hit? Because what I have learned is that no matter, you know, you know when the storms of life hit, there's two times, when you're doing good and when you're not doing good. <laughs> those are the two times that the storms of life hit. And so what do we do when those storms hit, when things are challenging, when things are discouraging, when honestly just life is falling apart? And it feels scary enough that a grown man is, who is a professional fisherman would be terrified. That kind of storm. What do we do? I think there's four things, and I, I put these together, and then I was spending time with them last night with the Lord because I was like, let me make sure these actually translate. And I was looking at different people besides this one scenario. I went back to, like, um, Daniel, you know, and I was like, yeah, that's still the same steps. And I went back to different ones that went through difficult things, and I thought, yeah, I think these really translate. That If we will do these four things, this is the pattern, I believe, that God has set forth to help us make it through, not if, but when the storms hit. First thing, I believe, is maintain your heading. Um, just like that quote from Albert Einstein about when you're riding a bicycle, uh, just 
keep pedaling, you know, to keep going so you don't fall over. Forward motion is your friend, but also don't change your direction. When you hit a storm, that is not the time necessarily to, you know, backtrack. That's not the time to make a course change right in the middle of a difficult time necessarily. Um, now, I will say, sometimes God might direct us to make that change, but don't make the change because of the storm. So if Jesus had gotten up and said, hey, guys, um, what I want you to do instead of speaking and quieting, if he had said, hey, go ahead and steer, you know, uh, over that way a little, you know, see that you can see those rocks over there, steer, steer over that way or whatever. If God directs to make a change, great, do it. Storm or no storm. But don't make your change because of the storm. In other words, fear is a terrible director. When we make choices based in fear, they're almost never the right choice. And so we have to maintain our heading. When conditions are stormy, the navigator has to trust their instruments. So like on a ship, you know, or, or steering a plane, um, you can only fly so high and in certain conditions if you are not instrument rated. Because you could get in a storm, you could get in a lot of clouds, and it plays tricks on your mind, and you think you, you could be upside down, and you think you're right side up, and you try to increase your altitude and go right into the ground. That has happened. And so to be instrument rated means I can maintain my heading. And you think about it, what is it about the storm that makes us panicky? We can't see. And so the fact that it's a storm is not just that it's challenging. A real storm, what we're talking about is a situation where it's challenging and you don't even know what is happening. Um, sort of like right now with COVID. We can't see the future. We don't know what's happening. You know, there are so many uncertainties. Life always has uncertainties. Sometimes it just seems like literally, have you seen that movie, The Perfect Storm? Yeah, where the three systems coming together. I mean, sometimes it just feels like that. And it kind of feels like that right now. And so in a storm, you can't see. You cannot steer by what you see with your eyes. Um, I heard a preacher say this one time, don't forget in the dark what God showed you in the light. And I think that's so good. You know, when you're in a storm, when it gets scary, when you can't see, where, just maintain your heading. So in other words, I think of like Daniel, right? They threatened him and they said, you better stop praying or we're going to, you know, punish you severely. It's going to be awful. And what did he do? He just kept doing what he was doing. He maintained his heading. This is not the time to throw away God's word and say, well, this doesn't work. It's the time to hold to it all the more tightly and say, this is the only thing actually that works. Other things are not working right now. This works. I think of these guys. They're in this storm. They're terrified. Here's something that's good to remember. What was the last thing Jesus said to them? When Jesus said, when they got in the boat and they started sailing, what did Jesus say? He said, let's go over to the other side, right? He didn't say, let's go out and see what happens. Now, that would have been less assuring, you know, to be honest. But he said, let's go over to the other side. And if they would have stopped to think a minute, they would have known, okay, he's Jesus, so the boat's not going to sink with him in it, although he could probably walk on it, so, you know, whatever. But um, one person got that. <laughs> Jesus walking on water, yeah. There you go, okay. Um, but if they would have thought about it, he said, let's go over to the other side. He had no intention of the boat sinking in the middle of the lake, and he said so. Sometimes the good thing for us to do when we're in the middle of a storm, we're in the middle of a difficulty, when we can't see, when it's terrifying and it looks so uncertain, what's the last thing Jesus said? And that's different for everybody. 
I remember one time a situation I was in, um, it looked so uncertain, it was ministry related, and um, there were some choices that other people were making that I didn't know what I was supposed to do, and when I got back with the Lord, I, I was just like, God, just pleading to hear his direction, and I felt like he, he said that to me, like, what's the last thing I told you to do? And when I got to it and I really thought about it, that actually hadn't changed. I could still do that thing. I was interpreting it a certain way. So sometimes it's really helpful to go back to God and remember, what was the last thing he told you to do? You know, did he tell you to, you know, go and build this amazing thing or did he tell you just go help somebody? You know, I don't know. Your thing's different. I can't speak to your thing. But you know what it is. And so when things get uncertain, because sometimes hear this. Sometimes we get out there and we're so frustrated, this thing we were trying to build and it's not going to happen and it's all falling apart. And when we get with God, we find out he never actually told us to do that anyway. Oh, so what was the last thing he told you to do? That's a good way to maintain our heading and keep doing that. The second thing, when you're in a storm, you need to be alert. To navigate waves you better be paying attention. If there's big waves, um, any boaters or kayakers or any, anything like that? Not too many. Oh, one, okay. I kayak, and I used to have a boat, and um, it wasn't a very big boat. Just And the, the lake that I used to take it out on was a pretty big lake, and um, it was a Texas man-made, you know, Corps of Engineers lake. It was huge. And, there were, and it was super deep because it was man-made, right? It had been like a river, like a valley, so it was real deep. And it was kind of like the, the surrounding land was big, so it made like a big basin. So if a storm came in, it was big enough that it could get some really big waves. And it could be a little unnerving in a little 17-foot bow rider. And um, I remember trying to truck across that lake one time, and we are like, man, should we go faster? What should we do? And you wanted to pay attention to how you were hitting the, la- the, la- the waves. That's a hard word. Um, because if you hit them, like, straight on, it kind of felt like a bump, right? But if, they hit you, if a big wave hits you sideways, boy... That's really going to rock your world. You better be paying attention. You actually might go for a swim. Um, and so you had to really be paying attention to navigate the waves. And you know what? We already said the waves keep coming, good and bad, good and bad. Sometimes it's good stuff disguised as challenges. Have you ever had that happen? Something you thought was a challenge actually ended up being a blessing. Anybody testify? Yeah. Um, and so you know, good and bad, whatever, but unforeseen circumstances can come our way, but we better be paying attention because how our approach, or in flying terms, they call it your attitude. Did you know that? That's actually a flying term. It's how you're approaching the air. So how our attitude to the wave is can affect how the wave affects us. Um, and so I just want to encourage us that we need to stay vigilant. We need to guard that which, with that which is in us. I really feel like this. I felt like God showed me if we're not careful as a church, because I'm speaking to you individually for your life, but I also feel like this is a word for you guys as a church. I don't know if you've gotten that, that this message today is both personal and corporate, that it is for this body of believers. And I want to encourage you to be alert and watch out because disunity can be a wave, a broadside wave that can absolutely capsize a ship. 1 Peter 5.8 says that Satan walks around as a roaring lion. I don't know if you know much about lions, but when they're actually getting ready to make a kill, they're silent. A roaring lion is either feeling afraid or or he just wants to kind of establish his territory. He's trying to intimidate. And the Bible says that's what the enemy is like. 
He's trying to intimidate. He's trying to ruffle our feathers. Now, let's be real. If you and I were out on safari and it's silent, we're probably going to feel really peaceful. Oh, this is great. This is wonderful. If we are lions roaring, we're going to be really nervous when actually we should probably feel the opposite. But that's what the enemy does. He knows that if he can make a lot of noise and get your uh, feathers in a ruffle, or as your pastor has said several times, maybe one time, but I love it. I've said it several times. If we get our knickers in a twist, I love that. Your knickers in a twist. Um, (laughs) But that's the enemy's goal is to ruffle our feathers, get us off track. You know, because here's the thing, I'm focused this way, but what was that? right? And he's going to take our attention off of our captain, off of Jesus, and then he can get us. And if he can get us with a big broadside wave and sink this thing, that's exactly what he's going for. He honestly doesn't care how he does it. Just catch you by surprise, knock you off balance. So we need to be alert. The third thing, we need to keep going. We need to stay on mission. The thing about waves, you have to have forward motion. Um, If a ship out in the middle of the ocean, if they lose their engines and a big storm comes up, they are much more um, susceptible to being capsized. If a wave hits them just right, a rogue wave or something, they're gone. Because you have to have that forward momentum to keep going, to not get stuck. Winston Churchill has a famous quote that I'm not going to exactly quote because it's a little more colorful than I think we should uh, with the children in the room. Um, but I'm going to say it this way. Winston Churchill quote, um, if you're going through, and here's my paraphrase, a really hard time. If you're going through a really hard time, keep going. In other words, don't, that's not a time to stop. When things are hard, when things are hurt in the church, when, oh, I don't know if, it, you know, just working through all of these personality struggles, and I don't know, my ears have not been filled with things. I'm just imagining, because guess what? I've been around church for a while. I know how it goes. And especially when there's been transition, that means opportunities, right? For And when I say opportunities, I mean opportunities to get mad and frustrated. And um, in those moments... It's really important that we stay on mission and we keep our forward momentum, that we stick with it. Can I tell you, I'm just going to get right in your business for a second. If you think that, hmm, no, let me back up. I've seen people do this a lot of times where they get really mad about something at church and what they say is, well, I think the Lord is leading me somewhere else. Okay, you were mad. That's not the Lord. If you leave because you're mad and frustrated, do not blame that on God. I'm I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry, actually. Because I can say this because I can leave in a minute or, you know, in a couple days. Um, But now, does God ever lead, lead people to leave one congregation and go to another? Absolutely. Absolutely. But God doesn't lead you through strife. That's not one of the tools in his tool belt. Okay? And so it's really important that we stay forward motion, that we stick with it, that we maintain our heading, that we stay alert, that we keep going. Keep that forward motion. And the fourth thing, what did these guys do? They went and woke up Jesus. Smartest thing. What if they hadn't done that? What if they had been in the boat and the waves, what if they just started passing out life jackets and bailing? (laughs) Bye, Jesus. That would have been the, but sometimes we do that. If we're honest, 
Sometimes we do that. Jesus is asleep in the bow of the ship, and there's a storm, and we're freaked out, so we're grabbing a life jacket and jumping overboard. And Jesus is like, dude, why, did, why didn't you wake me up? Why didn't you come to me? Now, thankfully, in actuality, he never sleeps or slumbers. He is ever ready and ever at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. He is mindful of everything. Do you realize, and I know you know this, but sometimes we need to be reminded of the obvious things we actually already know. Nothing, nothing that you do, nothing that is done to you ever catches him off guard. He has an answer. He has a way. And sometimes it's those things that are actually done to us or that we had no control in that are the hardest to handle and that make us want to throw on that life jacket and jump overboard because we're thinking, Jesus, why did you let this happen? And I'm here to tell you, I don't know why. And you may never know why. But what I know is that's not a good time to redefine our doctrine. That's not a good time. I don't build my doctrine on my personal experiences. I build my doctrine on the word of God. Because my personal experiences are all over the place. This never changes. And so when my world doesn't make sense, when I am surrounded with questions I cannot answer, I am okay with saying these three words. These are really powerful words. You ready? I'm going to teach them to you. They're really great. Here's the, here's the powerful answer. I don't know. I don't. Do you realize that it's our need to have certainty that sometimes get us in, in the most trouble? Because we want to ascribe a value to things. We want to ascribe a pass or fail value. We want to say that was God, that was not God. We want to say, oh, I sinned, or you sinned, or they sinned, or, you know, and yes, there is righteousness. Yes, God sets a standard. But ultimately, in times of difficulty, ascribing blame is never where he takes us. In a time of difficulty, we do what these guys did, and we just come to Jesus. Jesus, help! And he took care of it. He spoke to it. One word. One word from God is all it takes to calm. I mean, you might think, I'm not going to make it out of this one. Because if we're honest, the biggest storms usually don't rage on the outside. They rage in here and in here. And those are the storms that are the hardest to quiet, where we lay on our bed at night and our mind, this, that storm is raging. It's like a hurricane between our ears. And that's when we need to go to the Lord. So what I'm talking about here when I say call on Jesus is prayer, all types of prayer, not just our shopping list, not, yes, Jesus help, absolutely, but more than that. I want to encourage you that, you know, when things are uncertain, all the more, that's the time for us to develop um, a full vocabulary of prayer. You know, if, if we're going to be friends, um, what is your name? Bruce. That's right. We already met. Sorry, Bruce. If Bruce and I are going to be friends and we get together, and it, when we get together, if, all I'm, if I'm like, Bruce, you know what, um, man, I just really, uh, I've got a lot going on today, and, um, you know, I've got to think about what I'm going to do for lunch, and then I've got to go get my car worked on, and then I'm going to do this other thing, and um, so then, man, I'm really worried about that one thing, and, man, I hope some, something happens with my money for that one bill, and I'll see you later. I don't think Bruce thinks we're friends. I, I don't know anything about Bruce. I don't know if he has any thoughts. Who knows? Bruce might have been ready to give me a Pentecostal handshake, you know, a couple hundred, little, put a couple Benjamins in my pocket. But I didn't even give him a chance for that. 
And sometimes that's how we approach God in prayer. We need to learn and to become comfortable to expand our relational intimacy with him, expand our vocabulary of prayer. And so when I talk about prayer and when I talk about call on Jesus, I'm talking about sometimes there is a prayer of repentance that needs to happen. Sometimes we're asking him to build a new thing, to do a new thing, but the foundation is shoddy. And he's not, he is a good God. He's a great builder. He's not going to build on a broken foundation. And he's waiting for us to clean that thing up and get it straight. Let him get into that foundation, fix those cracks, pull out the places that have been, uh, you know, corrupted and broken down. So sometimes it's a prayer of repentance. Sometimes it's a prayer of consecration. Sometimes it's intercession, meditation, just a listening prayer. Do you know that sometimes just sitting silent is prayer? You don't always have to. Sometimes I think what people, um, where they get caught is, well, I don't know what to say. So don't say anything. How about listen? I guarantee you he's got better things to say than I do anyway. So I would do well to just listen. I want to encourage you too. There's an app that I have been loving. Um, I know everybody has one of these, right? iPhone, Android, everybody has one. There's an app that you would love. It's put out by um, 247prayer.com, and it's called Lectio, Lectio 360. Hold on. I think it's Lectio 365. I just um, had a brain cramp. Yeah, Lectio 365. And it's kind of blue. I can't show it to you. I should have made a slide for it. But... Um, that app is super helpful because it will guide you. If, you. if you would like help, sometimes, did you know it's okay to ask for help on these things? This app is super helpful. It will help you to incorporate scripture with your prayer, and it will help you to um, expand your prayer. If you feel like your prayer has been like a shopping list, and you would like to take it deeper, you'd like to take it into actual, when I talk about relational intimacy, when I talk about increasing your prayer vocabulary, if those things are like, I don't know how. This will be a great resource for you. Lectio 365, and it's every day there's a devotional, and they even have a little play button. Well, they'll like read it to you, and so that it helps you to slow down and spend. It's like maybe 10 minutes a day you spend. It's wonderful. And the people have English accents, so it's a lot of fun. Um, so there's that. Um, but that is really helpful. And so whatever it takes, maybe, maybe you get together with somebody, maybe you find a prayer partner that you can Zoom with or, you know, whatever, if you get together in person. Maybe there's somebody you say, hey, let's even, maybe you don't pray together. Maybe that's not where you're at. Maybe you're like, will you just ask me about my prayer life? That's a great way to be challenged, to be more regular. Cause, and it's not that you're, God's going to love you more if you pray more. That is not it. It's he loves you so much, he just would like to talk to you more. He would like to spend more time with you. I guarantee you, he has things to say. Some of us would say, oh, God doesn't talk to me. Oh, contraire, mon frere. He talks to you. We just haven't tuned in. We haven't learned to listen. And so the best thing that we can do is prayer. And here's another thing. When we pray, when we... Our approach to the, to the storm and the situation, whether it's external, internal, or both, if our approach is prayer and we go to Jesus, when we do that, what we're doing is we are centering Jesus instead of centering our problem or centering, this is how I want this to go. When we come to him in that way, we center Jesus, and man, that is the best thing in the world because now we're not amplifying the storm, we're amplifying his voice which is the only place, that's the voice that says, peace, be still. 
That's the voice that helps us. Oh, look at her. Look at them back there. So quick and slick. I love it. Okay. So keeping, and here's the thing, keeping Jesus at the center, that's like setting our compass to true north. I have, the band can go ahead and come back up. We're going to um, close things out with a little bit of worship because I want to give you a chance to respond to whatever the Holy Spirit has been inviting you to today. But when we center Jesus like that, when our response to the storm is to cry out to him, it's like we are resetting our compass. If, here's the thing about a compass. If you don't actually know which way is north, it's not useful. Just because you have a compass doesn't mean you're not going to get lost. You have to know where's north. You have to know what direction are you actually trying to go. And when we center Jesus, when we, when we can do these things, when we can maintain our heading, stay alert, keep going, and call on Jesus, that's going to help us to not get lost. I want to just give you a moment. Right where you're at, I know some of you have little kids, so you can't necessarily do this fully, but as best you can, would you just close your eyes for a minute? Let's just put our hand on our heart. Because I bet every single one of us has a storm that we could reference. Even the kids. They miss their friends. They miss school. Every one of us is in a storm right now. And a lot of us have a storm on the inside. Jesus, will you come to us? Jesus, we need you. Jesus, will you speak to the storm and speak to us? God, I ask that you help us to learn to navigate the waves, to not be intimidated by the waves, but to embrace them, to ride them even for your glory. You know, that's, you can open your eyes. That's the thing about waves, the same waves that are destructive in one place are a thrill ride for somebody else. If we can learn to harness the things we cannot control and surrender them to God, we can go places we never thought we would go. This is also a fine time. I want to just extend an invitation. And I'm not going to ask you to get up or anything. So you can be doing serious business with God and no one knows but you and him. But if in hearing all of this, if you're sitting there going, man, I needed this. I've been disconnected. I've been distracted by the storm. I need to be reminded. I need to be recentered. I just want to encourage you to reach out. You have family here. You have community here. Reach out to Justin, any one of the leaders. You could even email. If you, if you prefer not to talk to somebody face-to-face, -face, you could send an email. Prayer at, prayer at churchonthehill.tv. But don't be alone. Nobody is meant to navigate those storms alone. Some of you might be here and you've actually been super far from God. 
you put yourself right in the middle of a storm. And you're maybe wondering, is God even going to help me because I did this myself? I'm here to tell you, (laughs) he's that kind of God. He will absolutely. He meets us right where we're at. I can tell you from my personal experience. He will meet us right in the middle of the storm, even if we put ourselves there. All he wants us to do is to cry out to him. Let's seal our time together with this song. And I just encourage you, do business with God. Some of it is letting his Holy Spirit bring comfort where there's been chaos. Some of it might be repentance. Some of it might be a restoration of relationship. Whatever he is speaking to you today, I invite you 